You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. This is a new podcast combining discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 2. Welcome back, human females and human males. I am so smitten that you are here with us today. Blake, how are you doing today, dear friend? Doing good, man. Had a nice long day yesterday. It was beautiful weather. It's beautiful weather today. I'm excited to go sit outside uh, after this. Mm. Enjoy the sunshine before the rain comes. You know, just before we started recording, uh, there was sirens for about five minutes Uh, on Justin's side. Yeah. And I literally just saw a fire truck and three police cars go by in front of my window. So (laughs) we'll see. Apparently (laughs) this is going to be an alarming episode. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they're both not on their way to the same emergency because, you know, considering we're two hours apart, that would be be pretty dramatic. (laughs) You know, sometimes, sometimes there's a virgins in the force. All right. (laughs) Sirens were on our way to destroy paganism. Oh, shoot. And on that note, Justin, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about the subject that we are also reading about in the wonderful works of God, which if you don't have, you should get. And once you do, you should join our Distilling Theology reading group and join us for discussions every weekend. Saturday and Sunday, we have a discussion on it. But we just finished reading about this specifically in the book uh, that is General Revelation or the Revelation that is natural and given to all mankind. But yeah. before we jump in there, Blake, do you have any comments for us? Just to remind people that we are now proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. This is a mega feed of doctrinally sound podcasts from a Reformed perspective that you can get at reformedpodcasts.com. And since Tony and Jesse of Reformed Brotherhood relaunched, they added us, they added a few other shows. And since last week, two new shows have been added. So now what? the society includes the Bobcast, the Reformed Brotherhood, Fast God Stuff, Reformed Pilgrims, Sippin' on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. So if you want more quality podcast content that's probably a little bit less goofy, fewer air horns, <laughs> less Jeopardy, and Price is Right sound <laughs> effects, then you can hit up reformpodcast.com. It's true. But there's also less of Blake's voice, so... Come back here uh, and enjoy that with us. <laughs> also, I I almost, I'm kind of glad you commented it because I think it would have been weird if I did. But on Facebook, somebody was saying, you know, oh, you know what we need right now is um, an audiobook of Bavink. Yeah. Reform Dogmatics. Or was it Wonderful Works of it God? Was, I uh, no, it was Reform Dogmatics. And mm-hmm. I had commented, uh, and it needs to be narrated by Blake. <laughs> Well, people listening to today's episode will get a treat of a sneak preview <laughs> because uh, a lot of the episode today is going to be brought to you by Herman Bavink's Wonderful Works of God, uh, direct quotations. Mm. So I'll be um, 
I'll be practicing. So if you want to make that happen, let's start a Kickstarter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, not today. Not yet. Oh, boy. Not yet. Someday. So what are we sipping today? What's in our glass? Well. And where did we get this thing? <laughs> <laughs> this is New Riff Single Barrel Sour Mash. It is a whiskey club whiskey, which you'll tell us more about in a moment here. And it was, uh, I never get his name right. Pronounce his name for me. Samuel Shovel. Shovel. Yeah. I never get his name right. But <laughs> like, sh- like, it's not like Shovel, right? <laughs> anyway sam i'm so sorry (laughs) uh sam uh i love you thank you for this (laughs) um indeed so yeah this is another sample that he sent us um it smells great that's all i've had had uh, of it yet so far uh but according to their website new riffs distilling core bourbon expressed is a genuinely high rye full-bodied whiskey offering savory spicy character bottled at barrel proof without chill filtration featuring a mash bill of non-gmo grains 65 percent corn 30 percent rye and five percent malted barley it represents a new riff hence the name on kentucky's most hallowed whiskey traditions it's aged four years in 53-gallon toasted and charred oak barrels, and there are no shortcuts apparently taken in their production. Um, all new Riff whiskeys are made with a full sour mash Kentucky regimen, and all carry an age statement and are always bottled without chill filtration. It's 112.1 proof. Blake, tell us a little bit about these whiskey club whiskeys. Sure. So once you start to get to certain... Either, like in the case of a whiskey club, you can, where you have enough participants and you want to pool resources, you can basically like buy barrel picks from uh, distilleries. Or the ones that I've interacted with, this is the first time I'm having one from a whiskey club. This is from the Dallas-Fort Worth Whiskey Club. Whiskey of Death is the, the header on this one. So, Are you sure about that? I guess we need to start singing uh, Deus Eres, the ancient Gregorian chant. Uh, anyways, the... Um, I've had I've had barrel picks from liquor stores. Mm-hmm. So basically in that situation, either the store hits a certain volume and they sell enough or they just kind of want to do it. So they spend the money and they are able to pick a barrel that has certain characteristics either for the, the maturation or the finish. And then they get to bottle that or that gets bottled for them. So then it would be like whatever Camden liquor store bottle pick of uh, Jim Beam or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's But you get the idea. Yeah, it sounds like something they tell in Camden. Hey, don't don't hate on Beam though. Beam Suntory Company puts out some really stellar it's whiskey it's that's true. not Jim Beam. <laughs> so this one is 112.1 proof yep. or 56.05% alcohol by volume. It was barreled on March 10th, 2015 and it was bottled on April 1st, 2019. So this is only bottled a, just over a year ago. Uh this is barrel number 15-2251. Now, I'm assuming that the notes that you pulled for the color flavor were all just for the, the core expression, yes. not for these um, barrel picks. So let's see what we get on the nose, Justin. I am thrilled. <laughs> My initial instinct is like graham crackers, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that is just my well, olfactory senses being It's like all a confused. vanilla and caramel kind of blend, which is, I think, probably why you're getting that. Um, yeah, with a little, little tinge of cinnamon, I think yep. that would explain that yep. kind of graham cracker. You know, as a kid, graham crackers were like the best. Dude, treat they're ever. the bomb. I don't know why. They're the bomb. They were so My good. My son loves eating just graham crackers. It's like yeah. I don't know why, what's so good about them, but they tasty. Cinnamon and sugar. Yeah, pretty much on cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> they're still, still good them, now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely a lot of vanilla, even a little bit of a honey um, and some spice. Yeah, really no no fruit, nothing on that profile. No, if there was any fruit, it would be real dark. Yeah, there's also this like very, I almost want to say menthol. Like there's this very, very mm-hmm. crisp. It like, cuts right through the sinus. Yeah. yeah, it's like a sinus clearing note in the middle of everything, <laughs> which also could just be the high alcohol by yeah. volume. Uh, once ethanol. you start getting the barrel proof whiskeys. <laughs> right, right. Dude, did you see that meme the other day? It wasn't originally a meme. It was like from some fundamentalist teetotaler website. And it was like, cars run on gasoline. So why would you put sand in them? And and you run on, so why would you put alcohol in your body? And I was like, okay, first of all, <laughs> what's in gasoline? Alcohol. At the very least. That's so funny. Well, right. Yeah, it was kind of outstanding. Now, that said, obviously, we've talked about here on our Christian Liberty episode and other spots, like abstinence from alcohol is a good and godly thing, just as part- healthy participation Absolutely. is. But just making bad arguments to try and. Yeah, if you're going to be a that, teetotaler, it, that's great. And like, I mean, my dad was a teetotaler. He's never had a, yeah. a beer or anything in his life. And it's just for no other reason than he just has no desire. And. Yeah. He doesn't even want to uh, get started at this point, you know, but he's also never had coffee. Uh, God, you know, God forbid uh, he drink that. So, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to follow suit for sure, but yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't make bad arguments uh, f- for it. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. This is very interesting on that. Note. Yeah. Kinda... I'm excited to try it. Yeah, let's just let's just get into it. I'm excited that it's age stated, non chill filtered, and that they list the mash bill out. Obviously, that's their core expression, sure. but I, this isn't always the case. But generally speaking, barrel picks have to do with just that—the barrel. They're yeah. not usually a mash bill pick. Even in the case of the maker's private selection, I actually misspoke a little. It wasn't a mash pick; it was uh, the the oak staves that were aged in the barrel um, that helped to impart extra flavor. Gotcha. So really, it comes down to like how the wood interacts with it. But on that note, cheers. Ooh, yeah, it's got a lot of strong spice right out of the beginning. It just hits you nice. It's like a black pepper on the finish. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Very chewy mouthfeel. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely wow. as it settles, I'm, I'm getting a lot of the vanilla. A little yeah. bit like a little bit of cinnamon, maybe definitely pepper, like you were saying. There, there's a little bit of like the butterscotch flavor. Oh yeah. There's a lot going on. I gotta try. Gotta try yeah. another sip for science. <laughs> another one. You know, just gotta do our due diligence here. Hmm. <laughs> Second time around, I'm almost getting like dark fruit, but it's right in the see. front of my mouth. That's funny. I'm almost getting the opposite. I'm getting a little pop of like almost a like a tart cherry at the end. That's yeah, right funny. at the front. I was I was almost getting like a dark like a dark cherry or like yeah. a, or a plum even. Let's see. Round yeah. three <laughs> for science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see Boy, that's that. good though. Yeah, it's definitely on the tart side yeah. though, which is nice. It's definitely got. It leaves you a little bit mouth watering. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's not like overwhelmingly mouth watering like the blackened was. But that, that was, was awesome. So good. Yeah. But it has a similar sensation in the back of the mouth. Yeah, that's really that's tasty. Thank you very much, Sam. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you. Even if we collectively somewhere forget how to say your name correctly. <laughs> We try. There's a few other people whose names I'm just, and in my defense, I'm already like, I struggle to remember names. And then on top of that, it's people that I haven't met in person. We've only interacted online. But you don't struggle to pronounce names, right, Blake? (laughs) What do you, what could you be referring to there, Justin? (laughs) Oh boy. 
Alrighty, so um, I'm excited today. Let's uh, let's open up with uh, some prayer, as we do. Amen. As we do, because, as it is uh, necessary. Yeah, we should we should open up everything with prayer because yeah. God has given us the lives that we lead, mm-hmm. and so we should always be revering Him for that. If Amen. you have Valley Vision, which uh, we highly recommend, if you don't, it's page three seventy, Earth and Heaven, and in the Spirit of General Revelation creation being much of general revelation we're here oh lord i live here as a fish in a vessel of water only enough to keep me alive but in heaven i shall swim in the ocean here i have a little air to keep me breathing but there i shall have sweet and fresh gales here i have a beam of sun to light my darkness and a warm ray to keep me from freezing yonder i shall live in the light and warmth forever my natural desires are corrupt and misguided and it is thy mercy to destroy them. My spiritual longings are of thy planting, and thou wilt water and increase them. Quicken my hunger and thirst after the realm above. Here I can have the world, there I shall have thee in Christ. Here is a life of longing and prayer. There is assurance without suspicion, asking without refusal. Here are gross comforts more burden than benefit. There is joy without sorrow, comfort without suffering, love without inconsistency, Rest without weariness. Give me to know that heaven is all love, where the eye affects the heart, and the continual viewing of thy beauty keeps the soul in continual transports of delight. Give me to know that heaven is all peace, where error, pride, rebellion, passion raise no head. Give me to know that heaven is all joy, the end of believing, fasting, praying, mourning, humbling, watching, fearing, repining. And lead me to it soon. Amen. That's really good <laughs> prayer, man. Indeed. Oh, that reminds me, you got a new uh, new treat in the mail this week, did you? I did get a treat in the mail this week. <laughs> uh, I get lots of treats in the mail, dear friend. Yeah, true. But I understand you got some treats in the mail as well. I did. I got this uh, book, Good and Necessary Consequence, um, by Good and Necessary Consequence, by Ryan M. McGraw, which is basically talking about how in scripture we have doctrines that are like explicitly laid out, but then there's also things that we, that are implicit just in the nature of scripture and how we differentiate that. Like I'm very excited to get into it and kind of understand that. And then I also just got the Messiah comes to middle earth by Philip Riken, who was a senior pastor at 10th Presbyterian church in Philadelphia and is the eighth president of Wheaton college in Wheaton, Illinois. The subheading for the book is Images of Christ's Threefold Office in the Lord of the Rings. So I'm, as a huge Tolkien That's fan, awesome. I am like that is super, super cool. stoked. That is super cool. Because obviously Tolkien wasn't allegory. Like, it, unlike uh, Narnia, where it's like, okay, Aslan is Jesus. Yeah. Tolkien doesn't do that, but I like what he's getting at in there, at least just from what I've seen so far, is how there are certain characters who embody the offices of Christ typologically yeah, yeah. rather than an allegorical representation of the person of Christ, which I think that's pretty awesome. So I'm stoked. That is about cool. That. that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. This week I received my Spurgeon study Bible. Ooh. It is genuine leather and it's normally like 70 bucks or 80 bucks and it was on sale for 30. So I jumped all over it like uh, white on rice and, uh, and my dad likes it as well. So he also ordered one. <laughs> I That's believe awesome. you wanted the brown one, brown leather, but um, the only one that was on sale was this black leather one. So we're going to have some yeah. twinning Bibles, but it's phenomenal. It's got thousands of Spurgeon's actual literal uh, handwritten notes. Uh, pages of his notes are, are in here. 
the introduction to each book of the Bible also has Spurgeon on whatever that book is. Um, yeah. It's it's beautifully done, very well put together, and I have added it to my collection of study Bibles, <laughs> which awesome. is many. It smells nice too. It smells like a nice new Bible. <laughs> that is one of the best. One of the best like aromatic things. Speaking of aromas and smells. It's like that, uh, the Matrix. We need guns, lots of guns. We need Bibles. <laughs> lots of Bibles. Lots of Bibles. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I suppose a modern day sword of the spirit could be a firearm, right? We need... You, you could say uh, that. We need guns. <laughs> Speaking of Bibles. Oh, oh my boy. goodness. So, general revelation. Yes. Not special revelation. It was my uh, day writing notes. <laughs> so, uh, I got the, uh, the meek and... Lovely 1689 uh, to quote here on um, our little introduction to general revelation here. Again, general revelation, if you're just tuning in, uh, is pretty much the natural revelation um, by creation and by just everything's existence, that revelation to man, as Romans talks about, to leave man without excuse. Uh, God, God's attributes and visible attributes are clearly seen in the things that are made. So starting off with the 1689, uh, chapter 1, article 1. It says the Holy Scripture is all sufficient, certain, and infallible rule or standard of the knowledge, faith, and obedience that con- constitutes salvation. Uh, now, jumping into general revelation, it says, Although the light of nature and God's works of creation and providence give such clear testimony to his goodness, his wisdom, and power, that men who spurn them are left inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient of themselves mm-hmm. to give that knowledge of God and his will which is necessary for salvation. And then it goes on. So that being said, uh, we know that man uh, knows God's existence by means of his general revelation, right? Via nature, via conscience, uh, which is another testimony that God gives to, to, to everyone. Um, although through sin, that's obviously quite stained. And we, we don't sure. listen to it accurately. But what is made plain to them, natural man suppresses the truth and unrighteousness, which talks about in Romans. I don't know if you want to read Romans 1, uh, here. I always want to read Romans 1. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, read Romans 1 for us talking about that. All right. Paul coming in, coming in hot here. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Indeed. Indeed. Uh... What a beautiful scriptural example, though, right, of of that exact doctrine, general revelation, right? General revelation is one of those things that we talked about uh, in our reading group, uh, reading Bob Inc., just kind of this unique perspective that although God gave special revelation to his people, uh, to Israel, he, he also didn't leave everyone else with nothing, right? It rains on the just and the unjust, right? General revelation and, and mercy and grace are something we all receive, regardless of whether or not we know Christ. And it's sufficient to point to Christ so that we know that God exists. And so that if we seek after him, you know, the scripture says, if you seek after me, you'll find me. It's not as though uh, if we had chosen to seek after God, which we know we don't do, that he wouldn't reveal himself. But 
we don't we don't do that right <laughs> in general yeah. revelation even though its existence is enough to spurn us to do that we don't so man again is left totally inexcusable uh, Jonathan Edwards talks about the engagement of the mind in revelation both in general and special he says all truth and all truth is given by revelation general or special and it must be received by reason right reason is the god-given means for discovering the truth that god discloses whether it's in the world general revelation or in his word special revelation so while god wants to reach the heart with truth he doesn't bypass our minds so often i've heard christianity made fun of saying that we're making these huge jumps of blind faith well it's not blind it engages no, right. the mind. We see it in general revelation. We see that there's no way this is an accident. There's no way yeah. that the intricacies of creation happened by time plus chance. You know, it's not like as if I smashed my watch and threw it in a bag and shook it for a million years and eventually it'd fall back into place. That's absurd. So it engages the mind, general or special uh, revelation. Um, it's something that, that, again, leaves us without excuse. That's good. On that watch analogy, I've been so my my boss is a huge watch fan, and he's kind of got me hooked on learning about mechanical and automatic watches, which is a whole <laughs> yeah, like, boy. whole another level of nerd that I didn't need in my life. But here we are. And what's fascinating to me though is like your mechanical movement watch, which has been telling time accurately for centuries. Mm-hmm. Right now we now we kind of take it for granted because we have digital watches, we have battery powered watches. It's like okay. This was literally like winding up a spring and then using a sequence of gears and other springs to control and regulate the release of that power over time, that pent up energy in the spring, so that that's what winds the clock and tells time, right? And, and then you get into automatic movements where they put a pendulum on the back side of the watch that would rotate with just the natural motion of your wrist and that winds the watch for you. Like it's kind of crazy, but when you get into some of those technologies that they have of like this, and I, I, I'm not just nerding out. I'm, there's a reason. <laughs> Are you sure um, about that? But like the the intricacy in how that whole, I mean, barring everything else, the whole way that they, that it controls the release of energy is cr- ridiculous. This whole escapement mechanism with an escape wheel that's very specifically geared uh, and touches against this pallet fork, which is what gives the watch its ticking sound, uh, usually six beats per second. That motion all of that has to be designed within like micrometers and it used to be this stuff was cut by hand and now there's machines that do it but the point to to exactly what you were saying like think about that i mean we, we always talk about the watch but like learning about this has actually given me a greater appreciation for how valid that analogy is because a watch isn't a living thing and yet it took so many hundreds of years to figure out to solve this release of energy of elastic mm-hmm. energy through human ingenuity, through, you know, again, general revelation, God's given us wisdom. We've been able to solve p- problems and the thing's able to do it. And it's still, we still use it to this day in 2020 in automatic and mechanical movements. And, but and think of the intelligence that went behind that, right? Yeah. Some of the brightest There's minds. There's no way that could have happened <laughs> by accident. <laughs> right. Well, just, just the parts alone, they're all specially designed to interlock perfectly with one another. And if one piece is out of, of alignment, the watch isn't going to function. Yeah. But again, so we'll look at that and we will recognize design, intelligence. There was somebody here that the watchmaker's mark is evident. And then we look at a tree which extends out its leaves and it's uh, so that the, it absorbs the sunlight, which interacts with the water and the nitrogen that it's interacting with. And it's a living, breathing thing that grows. And that's not even down to the cellular level and the subcellular no, level. this is just... This is just like the basic <laughs> fundamental, like yeah. I'm, I'm talking seventh grade. Photosynthesis. Uh, yeah. Like. 
but okay where's our skill of photosynthesis right. like okay how many you know thousands of years humanity's been around and now we've sort of kind of figured out how to harness some solar energy but we can't really do it efficiently yeah. and it's certainly not directly affecting us as living organ i mean just look at looking at plant life and you're like wow okay something's going on here <laughs> yeah we look at these things that are very clearly designed with intelligence and with intent and in our arrogance and our humanity um, because we don't want to worship God and we don't want to be subjected to God. We say, no, no, that doesn't, there can't be a God. That's just superstition. You're just blind faith. This is all a cosmic accident. Well, right. We're just stardust. Right. Look at, I mean, if you look at what Romans one says, right, right. the knowledge that human beings gain through general revelation is knowledge of God's invisible attributes, right? We see God's power in his creativity and his even his love in the in the way that creation is beautiful, right? We see all these incredibly detailed, infinitely complex organisms, right? His eternal power. And so it's, it's pretty obvious, right? That, that's, again, we go back to why is there no tribe that's ever not been religious in some capacity, right? Uh, because right. it's obvious. It's, it's incredibly obvious. I, I, there's right. nights where I sit outside and I just look at the moon and I'm just like, that's, that's incredible. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just this, just how everything works is so incredible. But in our nature as sinners, right, we suppress that revelation in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. It's not as though we don't know. It's not because of a lack of knowledge. We know yeah. in our heart of hearts that God exists. But because we love sin and because we love ourselves and because we want to do what we want to do naturally in, in rebellion against God, right, our inherited sinful natures. Thank you. Uh, to our federal head, right? We look at all of this and we say, no God for me. I'm good. Nah. Well, thanks. Maybe it was an accident, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) It's absolute absurdity. So again, turn that around, right? Therefore, everyone needs the gospel, right? Because everyone's Mm -hmm. been judged guilty. Not for rejecting Jesus, which is part of the reason we're guilty, right? But specifically, they may have never heard of Jesus, right? There are tribes that exist still to this day that are not getting the gospel, right? So they may not know who Jesus is, but they're still rejecting God the Father who has plainly revealed himself to every person, right? And we're also still setting aside general revelation here for a second, uh, going back to the way that Paul talks about the law. Even those people are still creating sets of laws, applying them to others, and then not living by them themselves, uh, so they're own they're already breaking the law of God by <laughs> imposing laws on others that they don't keep, and add to that this rejection of general revelation that God has made so abundantly clear to us. No one is above the gospel, right? Everybody yeah. needs the gospel for that reason. It's good stuff. Now we'll get into the the Bob quotes <laughs> section, as it were. Take it away, Blake. <laughs> Uh, so from Wonderful Works of God, again, we we were just talking about all this uh, the last couple of weeks in our reading group. And Bob Inc. has two chapters on general revelation. So we'll be borrowing quotes from both of those. And they're so good, dude. They're so good. Really good. This is just a little just a little sampling, a little just a tasting of uh, what, what there is to be discovered there. But he says, on page 16, we cannot credit a knowledge of God to ourselves, to our own discovery, investigation, or reflection. If it were not given us by an act of free and unobliged favor there would be no possibility that we could ever achieve it by an exertion of our own efforts. And that gets into this next piece that he quotes here on page 17, um, which we kind of touched on when we were talking about theology proper for the last three weeks, which was awesome. 
But God, because he's perfectly, he has perfect knowledge, he has a complete perfect knowledge of himself, he's the only one who's qualified to reveal himself, right? And Bobbing puts that in such great terms here. On page 17, he says, God is the absolutely independent one, the perfectly sovereign one. He is dependent upon us in no single respect, but we, both as we are naturally and as we are rationally and morally, are absolutely dependent upon him. Hence, we have no control and no power over him at all. We have no way to make him the object of our study and reflection. Except he lets himself be found, we cannot seek him. And I think that's a really important reminder as we get into this discussion. General revelation is a gift of grace. Yeah. It may not be the special particular grace of uh, or salvific grace, but it's still general grace in the, in the way that we would talk about God's like general and special revelation and you have common and special grace. Yeah. <laughs> which leads me to Bobbing's quote here grace is the content of both revelations common grace in the first and special grace in the second of special revelation but in such a way that one is indispensable for the other and this is a point that Bobbing draws out throughout those chapters that i thought was really intriguing that oftentimes we will elevate general revelation or special revelation to the exclusion of mm -hmm. the other as though they're not both invaluable sure in our process now as you pointed out so clearly it's like general revelation enough is only enough to is only enough to condemn us we can't be saved through general revelation alone we need god's special revelation of redemption however without general revelation we can't make sense we can't begin to understand special revelation right. i thought that was a really important piece that he drew out you want to get that next line there from page 22 uh, about common it grace. is common grace right he says which makes special grace even possible it prepares the way for it uh, it later supports it and special grace in its turn leads common grace up to its own level and puts it into service. Both revelations finally have their have as their purpose the preservation of the human race, first by sustaining it and the second by redeeming it. And both in this way serve an ending uh, or the end of glorifying God and all of God, God's excellences. Right? So it's not, like you were saying, it's not as though they're not exclusive from one another. Uh, one leads to the other, but then the other essentially rises up uh, the first with it so that they can both be used to glorify God. Thinking of a apologetic method, right? In many ways, uh, say what you will about uh, whatever apologetic method you prefer, something like evidence, for example, uh, I think is is more for the Christian than it is for the non-Christian, right? Um, because we can we can see all these evidences of God's existence, in the general revelation, now that we have special revelation, it illuminates that general revelation for us, and it makes it all the more glorifying and, and satisfying to see God's handiwork uh, in general revelation once we have that special revelation. So all these evidences that God exists uh, is super plain uh, to the Christian, right? Because now it's like, not only was it obvious before, but we rejected it. Now that the scales have been removed from from our eyes right now that the chains have been broken we can see it truly for what it is um yeah. you know bobbing talked about this in in his chapter the idea of narrow-mindedness right christians are often called narrow-minded uh or or uh, <laughs> um you know whatever they want to call us but ironically it's just the opposite is, is what's true it's because we've been general revelation has been revealed to us uh, through special revelation now we quite literally see the opposite of what's narrow we see a much more broad view of the world as it really is. We're, we're able to see reality really for the first time uh, in some minute way. We're, we're able to look upon creation and be like, okay, well, this is why people are the way that they are. 
This is why uh, sinners sin, right? Um, and it's not narrow-minded to call sin what it is. We just know why you're doing it now, and we know what it is. The scales yeah. have been removed. Yeah, that's really good stuff. That distinction, I think. And he draws this out in more detail in the book, obviously, sure. but how common grace and general revelation are so intertwined, just as special revelation and special grace are particularly intertwined, which makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, these theological distinctives. But it helps us to recognize the value of general revelation in that it is important. It does leave us without excuse. And now that we have had our eyes opened, we're able to clearly see the works of God in creation and to worship him for The him. wonderful works of God, as it were. <laughs> Ooh, someone should write a book about that. Page 24, Bobbing writes, In the science of theology, men have tried to arrange all these witnesses in nature and history to the existence and being of God and to classify them into groups. So it comes about that we speak of six evidences for the existence of God. And he goes through some of the classical arguments for the existence of God, just four of them off the cuff, the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, the ontological argument, and the moral argument. Very brief, quick summaries. Cosmological argument is... An argument for the existence of God, which claims that all things in nature depend on something else for their existence, i.e. their contingent, which kind of gets into what we were talking about last week about God's aseity and that he is the only one who's not contingent and that the whole cosmos must therefore itself be dependent on a being which exists independently and necessarily, right? So there's the cosmological argument. It very much relies on God's attribute of his aseity or his uh, self-independence. Right. Uh, the teleological argument is the argument for the existence of God from the evidence of the order and design in nature. So you look out, and this is kind of what we were talking about with the tree, right? The, the clockmaker argument. You can see this order and structure. Yeah. The ontological argument for the conclusion that God exists from the premises which are supposed to derive from some other source of observation of the world from reason alone. So this would be the notion that a being cannot be conceived not to exist. So that If something can be conceived not to exist, then something greater can be conceived. Consequently, a thing than which nothing greater can be conceived cannot be conceived not to exist, so it must exist. So I'm going to have you guys all read Ontological (laughs) Argument on your own. Uh, It's it's infamously a little bit dense and difficult, but the the general idea of the Ontological Argument is there's no greater being that can possibly be conceived and he has to exist, right? So, which we see that, right? When we look, when we were going through theology proper, you can see this utter majesty and greatness and singularity of God's being and that there's nothing in the universe that could ever compare to him. And then finally, there's the moral argument, which kind of stands on its own, right? It's an argument uh, for the existence of God that is based on moral normativity or moral order. And it's like, where where does conscience come from, right? Right. I mean, generally speaking, I'm sure there are exceptions, but across the board throughout human history, like murder, manslaughter is considered a crime generally speaking you know obviously there are exceptions there are exceptions in degrees there's exceptions in understanding but generally across the board humanity recognizes that this is an offense we can't necessarily justify why within our worldview but there's an order uh, that seems to indicate some sort of design again romans one so you're saying that that we can't get personality from impersonality and we can't get morality from immorality what <laughs> craziness and that brings me to our last bavink quote here originally i just had a section of this but i'm gonna read a larger section because um because yeah, it's good it. frankly <laughs> it's so good i'm gonna read a couple sentences this is from page 27 the end of his chapter on general revelation talking about the sense of divinity if it were nothing but an absolute a feeling of absolute dependency and for the rest 
left the being whose power caused this feeling to remain quite indefinite, then it would be a feeling which would lead man to impotent revolt or a stoical passive resignation. So basically it's like, okay, so we have this sense of the divine, but if it just left us there and there was no sense of the goodness or the or the character of God evident in that sense of divinity, right, that that's kind of baked in our conscience, it would make us nihilists, right? Because it's like, okay, well, nothing matters. Or we'd right. just be angry all yeah, the time, right? Yeah. But the sense of divinity has in it a sense of the nature of that being on whom man him, feels himself to be dependent. It is a sense of a higher and an absolute power, but not of a blind, mindless, imperturbable, <laughs> imperturbable, imperturbable, and impassive force equivalent to fate or necessity. Rather, it is, it is a sense of a supreme power, which is also perfectly righteous, wise, and good. It is the sense of the eternal power, but also of the Godhead, that is of the absolute perfection of God. Hence it is that this feeling of dependency does not carry discouragement and despair in its wake, but rather prompts man to religion, to serving and honoring the Godhead. In other words, the dependency of which man is conscience over against, conscious over and against the divine being is of a very special kind. It has in it the element of freedom, and it tends toward free actions. It is the dependency not of a slave, but of a son, be it of a lost son. The sense of divinity, therefore, as Calvin wrote, is at the same time the seed of religion. So we all, Calvin described that in Latin, the sensus divinitatis, right? The, the sense of divinity, this thing within our conscience being that we recognize that there's something greater, that there is something that we're dependent upon, that we recognize deep within ourselves, even if we suppress it. And I love the way Bobbing said that. It's like, we're not, this isn't the, the sense of a slave, but of a son, even if it's a lost son, right? Which kind of gets right to the parable of mm -hmm. the prodigal son, right? There, there is this sense of which the, even the lost son who has gone off and squandered everything still remembers his father, even if he's done everything he can to forget him, right? So we still remember our creator. We are still sure. aware of the sure. fact that we are contingent upon him. And that's, as Calvin says, the seed of religion. That's why there are no atheistic tribes. That's why every civilization in human history, once you start to really examine, they all have some religious practice because they all have this sense of the divine, but they lack the special revelation of God to get them to the gospel. So they're not actually worshiping him as God. Right. What kills me is we have this society now where they're, uh, you know, scientific and all that, which if you're not watching on Patreon, I air quotes there when I said scientific. Right. Where we're trying to create an atheistic society, right? But ironically, and we've been trying that now for several decades in the United States. It's not working, <laughs> right? People are drawn to worship, right? We're drawn to religion because of this general revelation, because of the conscience, right. and because it's quite literally our design um, by God to worship and, and to be religious, and we keep trying to push it away, right. uh, but as a society, it just never, it, it can't ever be eradicated, right? We keep, we try and we try and yeah. we try, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> That's good, man. So next week, we're going to be following up this discussion on general revelation by getting into special revelation, which will ultimately yeah. culminate in a discussion of the revealed word of God mm. in the Holy Scriptures. Mm. And we're going to be sipping Dalwini Distillers Edition, which is a Highland Scotch yeah, from the Western Coastal Highlands, similar to uh, where Oban's from. So it's got that kind of blend of fruit and smoke, unlike your other Highlands. Yeah, it's going to be super, super good. And we that. got another Patreon this week. Yeah, we did. 
I don't know who. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Oh, it's a it's a, a friend of ours oh, named. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's our it's our it's our admin. How could I forget? Uh, I was like, "There's another one." I was, I was picturing, yeah, uh, another one. Robert, uh, who is a distilling theology. If you're not in the Facebook group, you should be Facebook group admin. <laughs> and he's uh, a good friend of ours. He is lovely and humorous. Yes, he's a master he of dad now, jokes. Yes, and now he is uh, our one of our patrons. That's uh, right. So and- other admins. <laughs> Take heat. <No. laughs> but on that note, if you want to see our silly faces while we record these, get access to episodes early release like this one. We've been live streaming these episodes as we're recording them, bloopers and all. So you can see all that. Get episodes early. Um, get exclusive yeah, bonus content. We're going to be doing some extra patron exclusive episodes in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And it's less than the price of an expensive latte <laughs> per month. Three ninety nine. What, what, what a way to draw people in, right? It's less <laughs> than something that you would spend too much on anyway. <laughs> hey, man, speaking as someone who loves some good craft cappuccinos and lattes, it's it's a thing. It's a real thing. So please, if you're interested, if you enjoy the content, consider checking out and supporting us on Patreon. Consider if you, if you really enjoy it, it really helps us out if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you listen to. We super appreciate that. Definitely. Justin, how can people connect with us outside of those avenues? Well, Blake, they can pray. Amen. But also, <laughs> uh, check but wait, us out there's on <laughs> Facebook, uh, Facebook uh, slash Distilling Theology. Uh, we also have the Distilling Theology uh, group, which you should join because it is full of sages uh, that have wonderful, lovely, peaceable conversations uh, and a lot of memes. And uh, it's a good time. There's also occasionally some live stuff that we do there, whether it be cocktail recipes or better cocktail recipes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so join us on there. Uh, also check us out on our lit Instagram. Ooh. It's fantastic. And, uh, we are doing posts pretty much every day. Yeah. Except so, on the Lord's day. That is dudes. right. That is a given my friend. Amen. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Check us out on there. Um, and honestly, if you like this stuff, share it, share it with your friends, share it yeah. with your, your peoples, share it with yeah. your congregations. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah. And in, invite them. To invite us into their homes <laughs> via podcasting. That doesn't even make sense. Wait. It does make sense, Blake. It does. I know. It... I'm a master wordsmith. It's almost like that quote from uh, The Hobbit. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, now it's going to bother me. I have to read it because it's going to drive me crazy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Here it is. It's when, because we just love our boy, J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm. So in the Hobbit trilogy, Gandalf says, greets Bilbo, and Bilbo says, good morning. And Gandalf, in his Gandalf way, uh, says, what do you mean? Do you mean to wish me a good morning? Or mean that it is a good morning, whether I want it or not? <laughs> or that you feel good this morning? Or that it is a morning to be good on? <laughs> All of them at once, Bilbo said. And a very fine morning for a pipe of tobacco out of doors into this box. So, anyways, there's a little Tolkien. I could go for I could go for a pipe of tobacco out of doors. I could as well. Well, on that note, guys, thank you for joining us again for another absurd, silly, fun, hopefully informative episode of Distilling Theology. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week for our discussion of general revelation. Blake, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, to all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. Bye bye. <laughs> Do uh... <laughs> Shalom, Jabulani. <laughs>